welcome you guys. Um, Joey uh, Odom and Heath Wilson from RO. So they are the co-founders of this company called RO. RO is a box for our phones to go in, but it's much more than that. So it's designed with a parallel reward system that records exactly how long your phone was in the box. So all your numbers are recorded in the RO app, so you can celebrate how much time you spent off your phone that day. They're creating a place to build healthier relationships with our devices and in turn, our loved ones and ourselves. So um, I love you guys' company specifically because it is not about locking your phone away and having it be inaccessible. You can get it if you need it, but it's about being excited about how much time you can spend, as you would call, um, un uninterrupted. So how did the idea for the reward system come up? Yeah, so I so a lot of this business is actually built on the back of our own personal failure. So we can tell you story after story of missing moments and soccer goals. And, you know, we, we, we both have families with kids. My kids at the time when I was struggling with this were kind of late elementary, middle school age. And I just peered into the future and I thought, oh my goodness, like, look how bad I am on this, again, this amazing device, but I'm getting ready to give my kids infinity in their pocket. And I've, I've not been a good role model. I've not taught them well. In fact, we haven't even really talked about it candidly. And at that point I thought I've got to do something, right? I, I, I need to be better first to start. I need to be better for my family, but I want my family to be better. And right now we just didn't have a system or a tool or, or anything in place to address that. So it really started from a place of, of, hopelessness, but with the idea that there is hope on the other end of this, there is hope that we can raise a generation that that can communicate and and have their eyes up. And it occurred to me and occurred to us that, that we just don't, we haven't as a society defined a place for our phone. So mm -hmm. as a result, we keep it on us and all the data supports this. 91% of adults keep it 24 hours a day, which means, you know, we sleep with the, with the thing as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but we haven't defined a place. And because we haven't defined a place, it's in our pocket, it's on the counter, and the data shows us that if your phone is on you or near you, you are using it. Even if you're not physically using it, you know, you're anticipating what's next. So that was really the aha moment for us to say, like, it can't just be an app. There's there's too many apps to tell you to get off the apps on your phone. They just don't work, frankly, mm -hmm. um, because all of us lack the willpower and discipline to do that. So we said, hey, let's let's build a beautiful place. Let's designate it for families as the place where your phone goes when you don't need it. And then you'll start to build a muscle around it where you, you actually want to put it there. You, you alluded to the kind of gamification and the incentives that we built around it. But honestly, we really wanted it to be a symbol for families to say like, hey, we are going to operate differently than where culture is leading us. And it's not that hard. And frankly, once you put it down and you start to understand what happens when your phone's not in your hands and you have connections, you have conversations, you have relationships, you actually get to have that discussion that you didn't know would or would not happen with your spouse or your kids. It changes everything, right? And, and Joey can tell you a bunch of stories on that front. But again, it started from a place of hopelessness with this idea that we can do something different, which is exactly where your idea started from. Yeah, it's kind of it's cool that it the the connection to hopelessness when we see the vastness of this problem throughout our society, you know, because like you guys looking around for your kids or even for you know the the parallel families that you guys are around, like everybody, ninety one percent of adults have it with them literally all the time. So it seems so hard for to get all those people to be off their phones, but 
it's really not that hard. And you experienced it through creating RO. And I think that one of the cool things about it too, is it, it does build a literal muscle for you to, to spend time off your phone is take, it takes practice. So I have a, a bit of curiosity about that myself because I don't have an RO box yet. And I feel like my muscle is a little weak a lot of the times because I have, you know, addictions to content on my phone, addictions to notifications on my phone. So what was you guys' journey, maybe even as a family, with building that muscle, having an RO box around all the time, being having there be a place in your house for your phone that's not your pocket? What was your journey with kind of building that muscle and, and the experience around that? Yeah, and Sean, I like the way you're saying that. I like the, I like the way you're saying building a muscle and in one one baseline for us, and I think this is an important distinction, is that we don't believe that the vast majority of us and Americans or, or global users, we don't believe most of us are addicted. And, and we all say that. We say like, oh, we're so addicted to our phones. And, and we use that word. And the reason why I make the distinction of it, we don't believe it's an addiction. We believe it's a habit. There are a couple of reasons. One, the science, it doesn't actually show a lot of the characteristic features of addiction, despite what we might think. And a lot of this research, there's a guy by the name of Dr. Maxi Heitmeyer at the London School of Economics who's talked about this, that it actually doesn't really quite share the characteristics of addiction. But whether scientifically that's correct or not, which we believe it is, I think the reason it's important, the word we use or words we use around it are important because what do you do whenever you're addicted to something? you completely abstain from it. And you also, step one of the 12-step program is you admit your complete powerlessness over the thing, right? Mm -hmm. So whenever someone, whenever someone's quitting alcohol, they don't build a muscle around not drinking alcohol. They stop drinking alcohol. That's it because they're addicted. Right. They're an addict. They have to be away from it. We think our phones are a lot different. We're not suggesting to anybody that you need to completely abstain from phones. We actually think phones have a very, very good place in your lives if we use them well, as long as Agreed. we're using them as a tool versus the other way around. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one is that we, is, is we don't think people need to abstain from it. And then two, by referring to it as a habit, instead of an addiction, we don't have to admit powerlessness over it. We can actually admit, we can actually take agency over it and be like, hold on a second. This is actually for me. I can do this. James, right. Cle James Clear in Atomic Habits talks about the fact that people are generally think that they are they may be lazy, but they actually just lack a system. And then if your environment is not conducive to your goals, then willpower will lose every time. If, if you just try to conjure up all this willpower, like, oh, I got to get this one out, but your environment's not set up for it, you're going to fail every time. Mm -hmm. So for me, this was the big, this was the big changer for me was having the place away from it. Heath talks about all the time is that we have a place for our keys. We have a place for our silverware. We have a place for our cars and our garage. In the last 17 years with iPhones, we have not established a place for our phones. And so as a result, we said it before, 91% of us have our phones with us mm -hmm. all the time. So for me, in my personal experience, the, the moment it hit home for me really strongly was about a year into our beta testing. This is a few years ago. My daughter, Gianna, who's now 13, she was 10 years old at the time. We watch a Harry Potter movie. She loved Harry Potter movies. And she turned to me at the end of the movie and matter of factly said, she was not trying to create a magic moment when she said this. She just said this very factually. She said, daddy, did you know that's the first time we've watched a movie together and you've not had your phone? Sean, I hadn't, I hadn't said anything about the fact that I was going to be away from my phone. I didn't know that she noticed my phone was with me and all the other times we watched movies, but she did notice. 
And there's a powerful thing that happens when we have our phones with us or when we don't have our phones with us. What I found was when I put my phone down, all of a sudden the environment changed. All yep. of a sudden I put my, I put my family on notice and I frankly put myself on notice yep. that they were more important to me. It, it signaled a moment of intention for me. And there's something that really powerful that happens, especially with kids. When you put your phone away, what you're telling them is that, hey, theoretically 8 billion people can reach me on this phone. And right now you're more important than every single one of them. So I think, and this is not a silver bullet, but I think if we did that as parents, and we start with parents because that's who we are. We talk to parents. If we started with that, I think our kids' foundational sense of value would increase dramatically. I think the reason, I think one big reason why we have, you know, teenage unhappiness at an all-time high and teenage depression is that we have a generation of kids who've grown up with parents who've looked at phones instead of their eyes. And I think if we change those things, the literal act of putting your phone down, that mm -hmm. sounds like such a small thing, but it does wonders in relationships. And it would be easy to say, and, and by the way, we, we're not here to sell ROs and, and sell memberships. Right. We do think that we do think if you are at a place of desperation, it's very helpful. If people can put their phone in their in the drawer on their own, please do it. That's exactly what you want you to do. But if you need help, it's almost like exercise. We know what we know the key. We know how you burn calories and build muscle, mm -hmm. right? You move more than you eat, right? You can go run around the block, but a lot of us belong to gyms because mm -hmm. exercise is difficult. It's a simple concept, but it's a difficult thing to execute on. And it's the exact same thing here. We sometimes, a lot of us, I believe we need help putting this thing down. But if you frame it in your mind, as I'm not addicted to this, I don't have to abstain from this. I don't have to admit my powerlessness. I can do something about this. This is a habit that I can change. I think it completely changes our mindset and it, and it changes your ability to follow through on your intentions. Well, yeah, I've never heard that distinction between addiction and habit, but it almost makes more sense just because, you know, I, I think it's such a new thing, right? Like phones yeah. have only been around and specifically the way that phones are now fully equipped with social media, like very quick, like you can access anything on the internet. Like it's, we just, as a, a collective society interacting with these new tools, we are just, we just have unhealthy habits surrounding them. Same way, like <clears throat> when we first got like fast food, like people didn't realize you can't eat fast food three meals <laughs> a day, you know? And then eventually time and science and people were like, we should not be eating like this. And then, you know, yeah. exercise and all that stuff kind of, so I feel like we're just on the same trajectory with yeah. phones. And I think that specifically when you said that she noticed you went on your phone and then that in turn, Re like allowed you to see the the very vast difference from when you have it and when you don't have it how it, it brings your awareness up that is it's it's not even a perception like it is a fact like when you don't have your phone on you you are focusing on different things for for different mm -hmm. reasons so recently i had my my friend's 21st birthday and we went to this bar and she brought all of her friends over to our apartment because we're the only ones that have like our own apartment and so because we were here and she helps me run one of the reconnect clubs, I was like, all right, guys, like we're going to all leave our phones before we go to the wow. bar. Do not leave them. I have these, I have these yonder pouches. I'm sure you've heard of yonder yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the company. So I had everybody put their phones in these pouches, those that consented, not everyone consented to be fair. But one of the guys who was like really against putting his phone away, he was like fighting it, fighting it. And he eventually was just like, okay, I went up to him later at the bar, like, an hour into the party and I was like, Hey, like, what's up? Like, how you feeling? You know, I, like, well, how's things been without your phone? And he was like, 
dude, I think everything is different. He was like, because I don't have this, I don't have 10 conversations going on in my pocket. I am forced to look up and look around at everybody around me. And like, I am forced to, like you said, focus on yourself as well and everything that's actually going on in front of you. And you're so much more in the moment. And it's because a phone is a tool. It's not something that's like working against you. It just is a thing. We have conversations going on because we're connected to people. We have, you know, notifications coming at us for our life admin stuff. But because that tool has these effects, you know, of taking us out of the moment and distracting us, it's just important to have reverence for that and and yeah. a place that is in tune with that reverence, like Aro, to for it to be there is so important to just give ourselves the gift of living our lives in balance with this amazing tool that we have. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, but by the way, I bet you your buddy liked what it felt like to talk to a real life girl like that. You know what I mean? Like, like the, what a cool concept, what a neat thing, like to make icons. I'm serious. I, I am saying it jokingly, but I bet it's yeah. a fun thing to make a joke and see somebody's face light up in laughter. Yes. That's a really good feeling. That feels really great. And you know, you do what that does is that builds confidence inside of you to do that again and take some more, take, you know, take some more risks on, you know, actually talking with somebody. And, and what's cool about the environment that you set up, and again, we have this goal just like you do. We want to change culture. We think we think the culture can change here because when everybody else is doing that same thing, in a way, it's almost like he took like the water wings off and he jumped in the pool and he was swimming. He's like, okay, well, I don't have my phone. I don't have my security blanket. I have to, I'm going to sink or swim. Mm-hmm. I have to try. But you have a little bit of comfort knowing that others are doing, others are feeling that. And you're not going to get a girl who, you know, pops her phone right in front mm-hmm. of her face when you get a little bit boring. That's a good feeling. And I think, I think, again, this comes back to parents. I think we're doing it very, I think we're doing such a disservice to the next generation by subconsciously communicating to them that they're not able to look face to face and talk with people. We hand them a phone very, very early. We don't need to do that. Kids, kids are, we're, we're built for connection. We're designed for connection. And so when we, you know, put this synthetic thing in front of that need for connection, bad things happen. But I don't think as parents, we're giving ourselves enough credit. Our kids are going to be fine. They're going to adapt to their environment. And if you give them, you know, a pacifier, they're going to want a pacifier. But if you don't, they're also going to be fine there. So what's, I love that story about your friend at the bar. I bet you he is this week, probably talked to other girls, which is probably also feels good and yeah. And good for him. You know, I think that's, I think that feeling is a good one that more people need to feel that is the the genuine feeling of human connection. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I love how you guys specify that it's not about getting rid of your phones or phones are bad or anything like that, because that, that makes it sustainable to, yeah. to shift culture rather than going backwards in culture, backwards in technology, because you know, we, we both were raving about before the, before we started the podcast about how, amazing these tools are you know how much they allow us to do and what they've done for society and and our life good and bad but you know we're moving forward and um so they're such an important part of our lives and so really ro is about just creating experiences that are uninterrupted apart from them like we were saying so you want to shift culture shift society same way as me what is you guys's vision for the future of people's relationship with their phones with aro well, I, you know, we think the real change starts at home, particularly through the lens of of the family dynamic. And because, you know, look, if, if when I was middle school and high school it was the 80s, 
and and at that point we started to realize, hey, this this smoking thing actually does damage, right? Not just to ourselves, but to others around us. And now today, when you walk out in society, if someone's smoking, they're kind of the outcast, right? I mean, there's still is, is some percentage, but I do think there will be a period in the future where we look back and say, gosh, what in the world were we thinking mm. putting this wonderful tool? You know, I don't give my kids a car at nine, right? Or I don't let them, you know, smoke a cigarette at 10. So there's there's just some parallels that I think we'll look back on uh, and really regret. But until then, you know, our goal is to, and because the data is out there, this new generation is looking at it differently, candidly. And they're, and, and they're you know, COVID may have exacerbated this, but but we do crave connection. And and not digital connection. We can we crave face to face, eye to eye, human connection. Mm-hmm. And because of that, we think that this generation is ready for a different approach. So, in, in fact, most of when Joey and I started this business, we thought, "Hey, families like ours, you know, families with teenagers who have phones already, they're going to love this." Actually, it's been the opposite. It's been families with young kids who say, "We're going to get ahead of it. Mm-hmm. We're going to model it differently." You know, that those those parents are, you know, let's call them in their 30s. You know, they grew up right. without phones as well. So they know what's on the other side of that. And there's like, I, w- I want more for my kids. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it starts with me. I can't just want more because, you know, if, if we model it bad, they're going to mimic what we do. Then we're going to get mad at them. Then we're going to try to manage it and mismanage it. But mm-hmm. if we model it well, by the time we give them this thing, it's an it's just a different tool for them. Yeah, it's no different than if you want your kid to read and they see you reading, they're probably more inclined to read. It's no different than if you, if you want your family to be healthy, you eat healthier, you exercise. Like they are going to do what you do mm-hmm. more often than not. So that's our focus. Like let's focus on this next generation. Let's create a new set of habits around and a new relationship. We we harp on this a lot. It's not it's not about the thing. It's about the relationship we have with the thing. And right now the relationship is just too one-sided. It, it's become this all-encompassing, all-powerful device that we're just unwilling to put down. Yeah. So I know that RO means to notice. I'm not sure which language, but I know that it means to notice. And I think it has something to do with you guys' definition of uninterrupted time and what that means to you guys. So what does that, what does uninterrupted time mean to you guys personally and to you guys as fathers with a family? Yeah, I think I, I, I'll, I'll touch on, I'll touch on notice and how that moves to that. Notice is a, a word from the Maori language, New Zealand, uh, New Zealand or tribal language. And it is, it's notice. And then it's also, and I love this as part of that is it also means to turn towards and the turn towards is interesting because right now, even let's look at marriages first, like a Gottman Institute just put out a study that said that couples who remain married turn towards their partner's bids for emotional connection 86% of the time. Couples who get divorced only turn towards their partner's bids for emotional connection 33% of the time. So we've turned towards this device in our pockets. And as a result, we're physically and we're emotionally unable to turn towards our partner's bids for connection or our children's bids for attention. I mean, think about, think about when, you know, when kids are young, they say, mommy, watch me, daddy, watch me. And if they're, if, if all of a sudden here's, here's when parents, if, if, if any parents are listening, here's, we need to get worried is when they stop saying, daddy, watch me, mommy, watch me. Cause all of a sudden they've grown accustomed to believe that you're just not going to look at them, that they're not valuable enough for you to look at them. So we, again, we're training them to believe these phones are more important than them. No parent would say that but all of us act like that. So it's that act of, of turning towards and noticing. And here's what's cool, that uninterrupted time, that leads to uninterrupted time. 
And the uninterrupted time is not just for the relationship. That is important as well. That's for the relationship. But I do think it also begins with ourself, our relationship with ourselves. I, I was reading a study the other day that was talking about how young men are more angry than ever, more angry than ever. And what we know from child psychology, that's from Sissy Goff and David Thomas, that men, males, males specifically, anxiety comes out in anger. So yes, they're showing anger, but what they really feel is anxious. And I would trace that back to connection. They don't feel connected. And so if we took a moment for just a second of uninterrupted time to our own feelings and thoughts, we're able to feel a feeling and, and explore it all the way down. I'm feeling anxious. Why am I feeling anxious? Mm-hmm. Well, because I haven't had, I haven't connected with, with Heath and I haven't had a, had a beer in a couple of weeks. And I really, you know, whenever we have beers like that, that's, that's a, that's a great time for us to connect. We can start exploring that. So that uninterrupted time and then the uninterrupted time, what's cool is on the uninterrupted time, this is a little bit counterintuitive. Let me, I'll take my son, for example, who's 15. If we have uninterrupted times, the thing's not getting in the way of that. What happens is interruptions come into that, like him bringing up something, interruptions in a good way, the good interruptions, us just sitting there listening to a podcast together or all all us talking with that. And all of a sudden he brings up, hey, there's a girl at school I kind of think is cute there's a cool interruption that just came up that would not have come up otherwise. Right. And what's happening also, and when the interruptions, the reason why these interruptions, the bad interruptions of our phones is that those are intimacy killers. And that's a word that we may, the intimacy may be a little bit of a, a, you know, that may have like sexual connotations, which I don't mean in this case, I actually mean like closeness. Everybody wants to feel close with somebody else. So what we are doing, these phones are having these little intimacy killers all the time. So if I'm talking with my son from a very young age and anytime he begins to open up, if I glance at my phone, that's just killed that intimacy in that moment, yeah. that closeness. But what it does, Sean, is it doesn't just kill it in that moment. It kills our ability. It kills his willingness to be open with me later. And so that means that our intimacy in our relationship, the boy that I love with all of my heart, all of a sudden there's a, there's a distance in our relationship. There's a gap and then it grows wider. Then it grows wider. Then it grows wider. Then a few years later, I'm, what the heck happened to us? Well, I'll tell you what happened is it was death by a thousand glances. Yeah. That relationship was killed by a thousand glances, death by a thousand glances at your phone. None of us want that, but it's those, that's why when people listen and it, it feels sometimes like we're open to over-dramatizing, we're just not, it's just, no, no. it's an accumulation of all those small little things that we've done all from the very, very beginning. And what's cool is this is a message of hope also. It's not hopelessness is we can all start it today. It's today when all of it can happen. All of it changes by the small little things that we can do today. And all of our relationships going to begin to look different. Yeah. For, so just to layer onto that, for me, uninterrupted time, we, we had a friend years ago who made a comment. He said, quality time can only be found through quantity time, right? You can't schedule that deep conversation. Yeah. You can't say, Hey, I've got four kids. I can't, I can't tell my 17 year old daughter, Hey, I want to go out tonight. And I want you to tell me like something you're really vulnerable, right? Like I want you to open up. Like it's not going to happen. Yeah. Hey, let's be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. But, but I can assure you this, and I'll give you an example from last night. Like we a sacred time for our family or family dinners. And I'll tell you why we, of course we put the phones down, but the first five to seven minutes is just what happened today. Then we just play a little game. What were your highs and lows of the day? eventually probably 17 to 20 minutes into the dinner, someone says something Hmm. that's way deeper than the surface level stuff. And it starts a conversation and the next 40 minutes are true, like quality time moments. And that will not happen if there's a device on the table, period, 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 period. 
So what do I do to make sure that I have more of those um, scenarios? You know, whenever you're around a table or in a circle, those are the best times for those interactions to happen, just like you were talking about the bar. Mm -hmm. So we make sure that family times are without or family dinners are without the phone. We have a hot tub at our house. We spend time as a family on the hot tub. No one takes their phone out there for obvious reasons, right? right Same right. kind of thing. You know, 17 minutes later, you're into a deep conversation. So it's just about, and I say you can't schedule it, but in a way you can. Like if you're just looking at each other, like eventually someone's going to say something that sparks something deeper mm-hmm. than the normal conversations that most of us have. And I cherish those conversations. Like I believe me, I love no, talking about the weather and how things went during the day as well. But I really cherish the conversation that leads to, you know, their perspective on an issue that may be different than mine, or maybe there's somewhere where I can, you know, add some wisdom from some, from my experiences. Or I've got two kids getting ready to go to college. Like, man, there's yeah. some big decisions in their future, right? Like, do they go to Florida? Do they go to Tennessee? Do they go somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, those are conversations that won't happen if we're all scurried about looking down at our phones. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys have been, how long have you guys been doing RO now? Joey and I met seven or eight years ago. We we started, you know, concepting this just before COVID. Uh, we launched commercially about 11 months ago. Okay. Yeah. So we've, we've been, we've been going, going hard for the last 11 months, actually probably a couple of years before then as we were developing the product, but. So a few man, years. Sto- yeah. A few years now. Yeah. So uh, there's, so here's my audience. And it's it's parents who listen to this podcast and sometimes parents that listen to the podcast with their kids as well. And then and then students. So I think that there's a lot of parents that would hear you say, you know, I I spent we spend five, seven minutes talking and then we 20 minutes and then we start this amazing 40 minute deep conversation. And I share with my kids and that we get this vulnerability and and that's impossible with phones at the table. I bet you there's a parent listening who, you know, is like, you know, just don't go on it at the table or whatever, you know, or even just wants to step into that. So being distracted with your kids is probably pretty frequent, especially with someone who hasn't done so much thinking about the issue that you have or that I have about how, you know, it's, it's a tool that it works really well, but it has this effect of not being available. And then in turn spacing your relationship with your, your child. So for, for someone who, who is more at the baseline, like after these pivotal moments that you had, like, you know, missing a soccer goal or being aware during a Harry Potter game or having these family dinners without phones. What was your journey like to create a healthy relationship with your phone on the way to where you are now? Where, where did you start from and how did you get here? I love that question. Um, I remember there's a study by Gloria Mark, who's a a researcher in, in California and she says that it takes 23 minutes and 15 seconds to refocus after you've been distracted. I, I read that study four years ago for the first time. And I remember, ex- I remember exactly where my wife was. And I said this to her, I said, I don't think I've done anything other than sleep uninterrupted for 23 minutes and 15 seconds in years. So here's, here's one thing that's, that's important for the listener to know is that None of what we talk about ever comes from a place of self-righteousness, only failure, yeah. only, only the fact that we, that I would just say that I was the worst. I, and I really do mean this. 
I was the worst perpetrator I knew. That's why we started it. I mean, we started it because I was like, holy crap, I need help. I mean, he said, I want to solve it for my family and let's solve it for yours. And it just started as a passion project. We just need to get it, get it right because we were missing the mark so much. So it begins exactly like what you said earlier, which is building a muscle. If you're going to go, if you're going to want to, if you want to go get strong, you're not going to walk into the gym and try to throw up 285 pounds on the bench. You're just not like, you're going to start with the bar and you're going to get four reps in, and then you're going to hopefully come back in a few days, right? You're going to start very, very small. So for anybody listening, I think it's really important to understand that you have to view this as a very long continuum. This is a lifelong commitment to relationship. It's a lifelong commitment. So if you look at it, if you're, if someone, and we tell people they come to RO like, oh yeah, my, you know, my 18 year old's graduating next month. I really want to help them get with their phone. Like you're late. Okay. That, that's all right. Like you're probably a little bit late, but start now with a couple small goals. Just start as your kids get older, your goals need to get smaller. I believe when it comes to this. So my journey was exactly that. It was building. I had not been away from my phone at all. I, I mean, I was one of the 91% that had my phone with me all the time. So hmm. build up the muscles, put a little distance, do it for five minutes. What we find for most people is they forget where they left their phone and they, they're all of a sudden, this is why it's not an addiction because you don't go into a cold sweat for the most part. You all of a sudden <laughs> think you start adapting pretty quickly. Yeah. So it begins slowly. Here I am, you know, four years after we've been talking about this and I have to catch myself sometimes be like, hold on, my wife, Kristen, Kristen's trying to talk to me. I'm going to put my phone up. So what I encourage people to do also, especially within, within the framework of families, if they're, if they're wanting to work on this, begin as a personal journey. Don't begin to impose this on the people around you. Mm -hmm. This is your journey. And it's okay to share that with others on what you were going through, but never in a judgmental way, never in a necessarily in a mandating way, but it's almost like there's a little bit of a yawn effect to it. When you begin to do it, other people have the confidence to do it themselves over time. Mm -hmm. So just say, I say this when my daughter comes to me and says something, Hey daddy, can I talk to you? Yeah. But can I put my phone in, in RO? Can I put my phone in the RO box first? I, I really want to focus. Right. I, I say that. One, because I like credit and make like make me feel like I'm a great dad. But the real reason is I'm triggering to myself, Joey, it's time to be intentional. And mm -hmm. I'm and I'm illustrating to her that I'm fully focused on her. Mm -hmm. So I encourage people to start very small, understand it's a lifelong commitment that you're making, make it your own personal journey, and then tell other people what you're doing so that they feel valued without you imposing your own things on them. Mm -hmm. I, I would add. I think one practical piece of advice for a family who's who's facing that question and feels a little bit overwhelmed is, look, just decide what's sacred for your family. Yeah. It could be family dinner. It could be walking the dog. It could be maybe you're in, you know play the piano and sit around and listen to or a family it. movie. Yeah, family movie. Yeah, we say, man, if you could just watch a movie without a second screen, what a huge yeah. win because there's still connection that happens within a movie. So I would I would try to decide as a family like what's that what is that moment of the day or that time period of day that that's sacred to us and then start to make some small goals around that <laughs> joey and I, I i i do this with joey all the time i was like hey look, we're gonna work out the next seven days and we're gonna do you know 50 pull-ups and do all this I'm like why don't we do it for three days yeah. and we'll see how it goes after that right <laughs> yeah. so i do think there's some value in starting small and i completely agree with this is this is one person's journey my my wife didn't use ro for the first year you know and i started the business right <laughs> 
Right. So right, she, right. she should be motivated to do it. And then one morning she called me and she goes, I get it. She goes, I get it. I said, well, you get what? She goes, I get Aura. She said this morning I was going to do my journaling and my study. And I normally have my phone so I can look things up and text people encouragement and all this kind of stuff. And she goes, for some reason I put my phone in Aura and she goes, it was the best morning I've ever had. So, but she would not have done that had I imposed it and been judgmental and, you know, shamed her like this. We are a no shame, no guilt business, right? We all struggle with this. Again, we yeah. were both perpetrators of it. So there's no shame, no judgment. Yeah. Again, we, we, we believe, man, if you get to see the other side of this, once you experience the other side of it, you want more. Yeah. You want so much more. Yeah. So I'm hearing no judgment. Yep. And you are you're, no judgment to anyone else and yourself and starting as a personal journey. So kind of explore yourself, put your phone away in a drawer for a morning and then, you know, share with your family rather than saying, all right, you know, no, no phones, this, that, and and then start small, you know, don't beat yourself up, start, start slow. So I, I also heard a nice tip, which was if you're on your phone or you have your phone, even just on you and you're. You know, because if it's buzzing in your pocket, it almost has the same effect, you know, as yeah. it being in your hand. And so if your daughter or son wants to come up to you and, and talk, like, say, all right, hold on, I'm going to put my phone away because that I think that's it might be. I mean, I'm not a parent, but it seems like it might be an underrated thing to do because it totally just like shows your kid. I am here for you right now. Yeah. And also it actually, you know, gets you more present. Like we were talking about earlier, you are in a totally different state when you don't mm. have your phone on you. And for the person you probably love more than anyone else in the entire world, you'd, you'd want to give that gift to them and to yourself. So is there anything for like, you know, they, they want to get to that step of having a family dinner or just having a family be phone free together. So, but, but they're so interconnected in all of our lives. We're so constantly using them, you know, and especially for maybe a family that does have a 17, 18 year old that maybe they are starting a little late and it's, it's, they already have phones and they're already very connected with their phones. What is like some baseline logistical steps Mm. to kind of make phone free family time easy and possible for a family in that situation? I would I want to be careful to answer this way and it's, but so this is the, so this answer, I'll begin with the younger family whose kids aren't there yet. Like right, right now, like this is it. Like you start now, like the, the answer to everybody is start now. Mm-hmm. It's just the degree of influence you'll have is it, it wanes over time. It's, it's much greater when your kids are younger and it begins, frankly, when your kids don't have phones, you can model it well. Mm-hmm. And then you have a little bit more influence. We, 17, 18, the beginning point, again, it's, it's a very, very, very small goal to begin. Mm-hmm. And it's it could be a fun game. All right, I got a game. Whoever, we're going to put our phone, let's begin. Hey, let's put our phones on the table. Whoever picks theirs up first has to do the dishes. Make it a game at first. Make it, make it something fun that engages with everyone. You'll get a bunch of eye rolls. Mm-hmm. Or if it's, hey, listen, let's just see who can go the longest. Or, or hey, for this, let's just have, let's have five minutes just five minutes. I think it just begins with a very, very, very small goal. I think you'd probably get met with a lot of rejection if you said, Hey, let's go watch, you know, let's go watch Shawshank Redemption right now as a family. Like it's not going to happen for two hours. Right. So I think it, I think it really does begin with a small goal. And again, it, it goes back to the other answer. It just begins with you. 
-hmm. begin by normalizing being away from your phone. And again, to me, that begins with yourself personally is normalize everybody seeing you without your phone and making a point of them seeing it. How, what would you add on that? I think, look, I, the reason we want everyone to put their phone down is because we love them, right? It, it, it has nothing to do with punishment. Right. It's because we actually yeah. want to spend time with them. So even if it's as simple as articulating that, like, hey, this is not about me judging you for how much you use your phone. We all used, like I use my phone too much. We all use your phone too much. We look, let's start there. So I'm just as guilty as you are if I were talking to my teenager as an example, but I value our time together. Oh, and by the way, you know, if you're 15, 16, 17 years old, I have limited time, right? Mm -hmm. The studies tell us like, and you know this, you're living on your own now, like 90% right. of the time you spend with your parents is behind you. When you turned 18 and walked out the door and went to college, you have 10% left the rest yeah. of your life. That's yeah. that's pretty compelling, right? For both of you. So just trying to highlight to them, like there's limited time. We've got limited conversations. You can do some simple math on family dinners or even the time you have during the day when, you know, they've got homework and activities and you've got work and all that stuff. Like it is finite. And I'd love to take advantage and have as much quality time as we can until then. And mm -hmm. one way we can do that is to just take five minutes or 20 yeah. minutes or 30 minutes and to experience it. And frankly, I mean, look, the cool thing is once they start to experience it and you start to experience, you will crave it more. I mean, my daughter's 17 and she still will sneak up at 10 PM or 11 PM at night when she has friends over and say, dad, can you come down and take up our phones? Mm -hmm. Right. Because she craves not just that connection with us, right. But the connection yeah. with her friends. Mm -hmm. So man, she's had a taste of it. You've had a taste of it. These reconnect events are giving people a taste of it, man. It's going to explode because there's nothing better than that experience your buddy had in the bar. There's nothing yeah. better than feeling connected to someone in a conversation. There's nothing better than having your child tell you something that they wouldn't have told you had you been distracted mm -hmm. and it's going to keep you going. Yeah. I think, I think what I'm, what I'm hearing is the core thread is just inviting, inviting people to the experience, zero judgment, zero pressure, anything like that. Like, because that they're going to experience it. They're going to see how amazing it is. And they're going to crave it. Like you, like you said, like your, you know, your wife probably wouldn't have had the same response to Aro if you were like, you got to use this, you got to use this. Instead, she discovered the amazing feeling in that morning for herself. Yeah. Like I have my, my roommate just, you know, I mean, obviously being roommates with me, he's very familiar with reconnect and he just one night decided not to take his phone to the bar. He was like, oh, dude, you'll like this. Like, I'm not going to take my phone to the bar tonight. And I was like, all right, cool. And he came back the next day and was like, dude, I like, I'm never taking my phone to the bar ever again. Like, that was amazing. And I never even told him to do yeah. that. I wasn't mm -hmm. like trying to be like, never take your phone. You know, he just did it and then experienced it and was like, whoa, saw what was on the other side. Yeah. So um, I think that there are a lot of college students that are involved in my audience. And one of the threads that I've noticed from just starting reconnect was that distinction, this really important distinction of we are not disconnecting from our phones. Like the, the focus is not on quitting or using our phones less or, you know, demonizing phones. It's not about disconnecting. It's about reconnecting with people in person and spending time together and and adding in you know a positive experience together socially in person rather than trying to take out 
our our screen time. And so, I mean, that's a similar thread to Ginny at 1000 Hours Outside who connected us, where rather than saying, you know, take away your kids' iPads, get get rid of your kids' iPads, less iPad time, you know, no YouTube kids. She's saying, let's give them the gift of more outside time where they, mm. you know, it's so formative and explorative and, and you guys adding more uninterrupted time and families and things like that. So adding in those positive things is so crucial to this because it isn't about demonizing it. It, it is about balance and, and having those things. So college students are filled with this distraction lifestyle. So I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with one of these segments I like to do, which is the adult shock segment. So I know you guys have like, you know, like, like 17 year old, 16 year old, 15 year old kids. So you might, you might know some, but, but it is wild. The difference in the world that we live in from what the time in the Savannah, as you guys, you guys heard my talk. So yeah, the, the Savannah is what you guys grew up in the 80s. You know, everyone's socially connected through in person solely. There's no distractions on your in your pocket all the time. So you guys live in the Savannah. We are now living in a social wasteland. And we are interrupted so much. It is insane. Like we first of all, we are required to have our phones on us 99% of the time because, you know, I've talked to kids and suggested they spend time off their phones. And they're like, I can't because I need a two-factor authentication with my phone every time I log in for my schoolwork. Or, you know, I need to scan a QR code in order to join the clubs that I want to join at school. Or, you know, I have to, I have all this social pressure to respond to everybody whenever they text me or else they're going to think I hate them because I'm leaving them on red or leaving them on open. And so even just trying to spend some uninterrupted time studying is this, is this huge struggle to, to just do that and, and getting out to the bar. So kind of, I, I love the idea of the RO box being like a, an add-in for college students on top of, you know, hanging out at a reconnect event for their own personal lives, like being able to add in phone free time, uninterrupted time, rather than clocking all these hours and trying to lower the distracted hours, adding in, um, you know, uninterrupted hours. So since you guys are incorporating RO into families and in, of course you guys are founders of RO, what are some ideas you could have for RO being involved in a college student's life? I think one, again, we do have a very, a very narrow focus on family here. Here would be my encouragement for, for college students is to think of RO not as a product, but as a concept. The, you know, a, a concept of, okay, I want to live a life of notice. I want to live a life of turning towards the things that are important to me. So I would begin with that as a concept and I would actually do it with, I would have somebody or some group of people, similar to what you do with reconnect, but have somebody where like, Hey, this is our thing together. So here, here's, and here's one way that would play out. Hey, let's go to the bar. But once we get there, let's swap phones. Just in case something crazy happens, let's just swap phones. My buddies and I, we've been, we went to high school together and that's what we do. We do an annual trip and that's what we do. We get to the, we get to dinner. We all switch phones together so that we're not holding our own phone because we got three days to hang out. So that would be one is like, begin with it as a concept. And right. then again, just have a buddy system. Right. And then when you get to a place where you want to be focused in, or you have the same goals, do that phone swap. 
so that you're not tempted by your phone, but you're still potentially reachable because that's one thing people are afraid. What if someone needs to reach me? You're right. Still reachable. If you need it for an emergency, you have it right there. Right. But I, I think if you, that's what we want to embed. This as just an ideology is, is something that people have as an ethos. And I live a life of notice because when you view yourself a certain way, this is why guilt doesn't work because when you view yourself a certain way, you become more like that person. So if you feel guilty, it's like, oh, I'm so crappy at this. Well, you can become more crappy at it because you think you're crappy at it. If you think you're good at it, you're going to become more like a person who's good at it. So mm -hmm. it's almost like an aspirational thing. So that, that would be my, that would be my, my advice to college students. I completely agree. I mean, it's, it's, you know, our, our wasn't built for the dorm room candidly. It's, it's not that size. Uh, and a lot of what we've designed has been built around this family dynamic, but I do see a future. Yeah. I do see a future where this is for young adults. This is for singles. This is for others outside of the RO ecosystem today, because the concept resonates across everyone mm -hmm. and anyone and globally, by the way, we get emails all over the world every day. Hey, when are you bringing RO to New Zealand and UK? And, you know, it's like, yeah, one day, you know, but, but it just goes to show you like, this is not an, uh, uh, a phase of life problem. This is a, a, an age, yeah. you know, um, this is across every age group and this across every, I, I was in New Zealand and Australia for almost a month this summer, which was amazing. But as I looked around, it was just like the Western mm. world. Everyone has, was heads down. So it's so pervasive. There's such an opportunity across every age, uh, you know, age group. Um, man, I'm excited. I'm actually excited for college kids. I think, you know, what you're doing and the fact that there's movement and momentum behind it gives yeah. me hope that we're going to see a very different trajectory over the next 10, 15 years. You know, we, of course, we're going to, we're going to keep plugging away. We're going to get families on a different, different course. But man, if you can, as we talked about early in the, in the conversation, if you can start this groundswell of support mm -hmm. and viral community within the college community, because you guys, you're, you're the change makers, right? You're the next generation that's building businesses and influencing politics and influencing policy. And frankly, you know, the reason I wear hoodies probably because younger people wear hoodies. Like, you know, you're, you're influencing fashion and everything. So yeah. your generation is the generation that's going to be best equipped to kind of move culture in this direction. Yeah, it's, it's exciting to, to know after, you know, you and you guys and me felt that initial hopelessness when facing this problem and feeling the, the pain of what was going on. And to see now you guys are building momentum. You've got requests all around the world. I'm building momentum in colleges, like college students really want to hang out without phones. And so I, I'll close it with this just because I think that it'll connect with you guys. And um, and it was really cool to hear. The other day I had a reconnect event where I call reconnect philosophy, reconnect with philosophy. And we just talk all about what, what are phones to us? How do they impact our social ecosystem, how they impact us, how they impact our mental health, just all, have a lot of discussion based. And I asked the group, what is the, what do you think is a potential solution to phones being so omnipresent, just constantly everywhere? What, what is a possible solution? And one, one girl said, I think it's going to start with when we grow up to be parents, because mm. I think we can all agree. None of us are going to give our kids access to phones or or run our household so synonymous with phones the way that mm. you know we the test dummy generation were given phones you know like we know all the negative effects and i think that even just over the next you know 10 15 years we're going to be having kids you guys are going to have already changed the world i mean i, I really we're moving in a positive direction mm. so 
I if you that. guys have where can where can people find you? Where can people find RO? What what do you guys have going on right now? Yeah, we sell directly on the website, which is goroogoaro.com. Um, you can find us on you know, socials at GoRO now. Um, man, I, I love just backing up to what you said. That gives me so much hope and yeah. excitement. My 17, it's funny, we when we were in New Zealand, we were hiking through a forest. And I don't know how we got on the topic of phones, but all three of my oldest kids at the time said, yeah, you know, dad, we're not, we're not giving our kids phones until a certain age. And I thought, my goodness, like, it's such a like visceral reaction to their experience to date. Right. And they don't want to do it the same way. And the fact is like, again, like I'm not, I'm not upset with how I parented, like we are learning on the job. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and a lot of this, even social media, you know, became Snapchat's what six, five, six, seven years old. It's not that old. Right. TikTok's really? a few years old. I mean, so these things are evolving so quickly. Um, it's so encouraging to know that that generation is ready to to do something different. Mm. So encouraging. Mm. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And then we need to get you on. We we're we're in Knoxville, by the way, which is University of Tennessee campus. So we've got to yeah. we got to get a reconnect group up here. Heck yeah. Oh yeah, I mean that's the goal. The goal is is all, to have reconnected campuses around the the nation because parents like you guys, you know, who grew up with let's say one thousand hours outside and having an RO in the house you guys and your kids are going to want to know that you're going to a campus with an opportunity to have a social life like that, you know, have a social life aligned with, cause we're both on the same thread, you know, we're, yeah. we're both connected through the same kind of core idea and we're just moving along all the age groups, you know, touching on all the environments like, you know, Ginny is on early childhood, little kids, you guys are on families and, and all ages of family. And then I'm moving into, you know, young adults, college after college, you know, like we are, we are replanting the Savannah, as mm. I like to say all together, like you, me, Ginny, we are, we are replanting the Savannah for ourselves and for our kids and for society as a whole. And um, it is amazing to know that you guys are doing the work you're doing. Dude, I yeah. love it. This is this is inspiring. It really is. And, um, you're, you're doing, you're doing great work and what it, what it's doing. I was thinking is, is it's giving, you're giving people confidence. Like you're, you're showing, you're illustrating through what you're doing and what other people are doing. It gives them confidence to think like, Oh, I can do that too. It's just, it's just, rem it, it's actually removing levels of disbelief in some way. Do you know what I mean? It, yes. It's just, it's giving confidence that like that, that's something that's possible. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm excited. To, uh, I'm excited to be have arms linked together. You guys yeah. are doing great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited to have met you guys and and be uh, be in the same space, working on the same the same thing together, pretty much. Yeah, I love it. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks brother. Me. Thank you guys for for coming on. Is there anything else you guys want to tell the audience or direct them to anywhere? Nah, I think we covered it. We're 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 grateful for you, grateful for your audience, and um, yeah, I, let, let's replant the savannah. I like that. <laughs> <Do it. laughs> all right all right bro all right